Hey everyone, it's Gary here from Horror Culture Shiver. Just a slight trigger warning for this episode. It is uh, a discussion about a film that does discuss sexual assault uh, at length at times. Uh, but also, whilst I'm here, I'd like to say a massive thank you to anyone who came along to Gasp Festival on the 17th and 18th of June. Uh, it's finally taking place after months of us plugging it. And it went even better than we could have hoped. So on behalf of Chris and of course... Kim and Luke from the Gasp team, I just want to say a massive thank you for everyone's support and it will take place again on the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of June at Corplex yet again next year in Manchester. So thanks again and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Horror Culture I Shiver, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trashterpieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're back for another Pride Month episode. Yay! Still Happy here. Pride, everyone. Still here, still gay. Okay. Still gay, last time I checked, anyway. <laughs> and today we're joined by a returning podcast guest. He's a physical media collector on Instagram, a fellow Real Housewife stan, <laughs> and I didn't plan for that to rhyme, but it did. Oh, my God. The special guest from our Basic Instinct episode, which is one of my favorite episodes, and one of our most popular episodes, too. It's Curtis it's from the Instagram it. account, Curtis's Corner. Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah, you're in our, like, top five most popular episodes. That Do you know what? Right. Hang on a second, because I was so disappointed because... Not one person ever asked me to go on another podcast after I did that. What? And I thought I must have flopped. I didn't have no. anybody reaching out to me. I thought my DMs were going to be popping. I thought it was going to be like, Curtis, come on our podcast and talk about this. No one, not one thing, not one thing. And then you guys messaged me about this one. And I was like, has it been like a year already? That Like since I last did this, I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, and still not one person's gotten in touch for me to be on anything else. So... Hit me up, guys. Come on. I'm getting you all in the top five. Let's let's bring it in. Bring in the rain. Yeah, yeah. Highest recommendations from us. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's listening and they need someone to uh, talk about camp classics or, or anything, erotic thrillers, really, erotic you thrillers know. or Sharon Stone. <laughs> it, it is erotic thrillers, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a theme here. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Of course. It's my brand. It's my brand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is one on the list that we send round to people that I've been dying for someone to pick for so long now. Um, this month's been a pretty good month for that, actually. There's been a few films where I'm like, yes, okay, these are the ones I want to do. Um, and you did that with Basic Instinct, and you did it again today with Wild <laughs> Things, 1998. Why and this was this... like, when we did the Basic Instinct one, I was really struggling to choose, choose between Basic Instinct, this, and Scream 5. Yeah. And I just remember I was really like, oh, God, which one am I going to pick? And then I was like, I've got to go with Basic Instinct first. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you have ones that you want to get chosen, why yeah. don't you just cut the list down? Because it's fun. You have a choice of three it's, films. It's fun because sometimes people come on and pick random films like Killer Condom. Yeah. And, you know, you don't expect stuff like that. Or pray. And, and pray, you know. Yeah. And you know what? There are always films that end up being better than you think they are when you're doing for the podcast. So I can't complain. But this is definitely one I was excited to do. Um, and uh, if any future guests are listening, you know, Cruel Intentions is up there as well. So please pick that up. <laughs> that'll be next year be next, next year's one yeah i mean it's uh we'd say it's an erotic thriller oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> maybe maybe you're more interested in uh, cruel intentions than you were cruel intentions too well yeah i yeah 
Four Intentions 2 was a challenge to get through. <laughs> um, just a prick. But yes, today we're just a prick. Today we are talking about Wild Things, directed by John McNaughton, who directed Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Which is shocking. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. shocking that the director of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer made Wild Things. Yeah. <laughs> Like, completely different films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He also made The Borrower, Mad Dog and Glory, Can't Come Out to Play, Speaking of Sex, Normal Life, and more. And this was written by Stephen Peters, who wrote The Wolves, The Fourth War, The Park is Mine, and Dead Center. Only wrote four films, well, five films with this. Okay. Um. Yeah, John McNaughton also did Girls in Prison. Uh, two sexy rebels in the wildest lockup yet. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of thing. Uh, I haven't heard of anything he, else. He did the borrowers. No, the borrower. All oh, right. <laughs> I was thinking, what a what a filmography this is. <laughs> Which looks great. It does actually look. Good. Aliens punish one of their own by sending him to Earth. The alien is very violent, and when the body he occupies is damaged, he is forced to find another. What does he borrow? Body? <laughs> yeah, yeah, borrowing the body. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> and the poster, if you look at the poster on Letterboxd, it does look ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Any, no, it, it anyone is, listening? Oh, no, you, do you want to back up? Yeah, you, yeah, do you want me to back you up? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyone listening who has a spare 10, 15 seconds. Just Google the borrower poster and you'll wow. be right. Yeah, it's that is something. <laughs> that is something. That's like, you know, a Photoshop like first edition original, is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Wild Things was made on a budget of $20 million and it made $30.1 million at the box office. So it was a bit of a flop, really. Wow. Would you say that? I mean, it got three sequels. Yeah, director video. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, this definitely, definitely, one hundred percent. I would stake a great amount of money on this being very popular on VHS. <laughs> very, very popular. A thousand percent. Yes. <laughs> um, I always got this mixed up with Swim Fan. Oh. I've never seen Swim Fan, but the artwork uh, of the two just—I always mix them up. Is it because of the iconic scene with Denise Richards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on yeah. the poster, isn't it? Is it so, on the poster? Let me know. On one of the posters. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, fun fact about this film: before the filming of an outdoor scene by the river, a gaffer was fixing the lights and noticed something floating by the river, and it was a dead body. Uh, the police were called, and when they arrived, they anchored to the dock out of uh, sight of the camera, removed it after the scene was shot. <laughs> God. Anything for the arts. I know, yeah. <laughs> Someone obviously, they were watching the pool scene and they were slayed so hard that they just died. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I was, you know, close to death myself when I first watched it. I was like, I can't, I don't know if I could be slayed any more than this. <laughs> Three sequels were released, direct video, as we just said. Wild Things 2, Wild Things 3, Diamonds in the Rough, and Wild Things 4. <laughs> Yeah, in the rough <laughs> and, and wild things for some and when on the trailer for that one it's like wild things for some 
Uh, and they've got the same plot, same plot, same dialogue, same direction, um, but with different actors. And they all take place in Blue Bay and it's high school. Like, at Blue Bay, not like, hang on, what the fuck's going on here? Why does the same thing keep happening? And like, there's, I'm sure there's always a pole scene in them. I actually do remember yeah. the cover for the second Wild Things film because it was like, they tried to recreate the pole shot, but they did it a little bit differently. So instead of them both being in the water, like on the same level, one of them was on top and one of them was on bottom. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, like that always sticks out to me in like blockbusters. Like I remember seeing that and I was like, well, I don't really know about that one. Yeah, I didn't know until doing a research for this episode that these sequels existed. Did you, Chris? I did. I did. I had seen them. I was never interested in watching them, but I, I'd seen that they existed. Yeah, they, they kind of look like the sort of film where it'd be pointless doing a podcast episode on them because nothing, probably nothing happens. No. Which reminds me, actually, I've got a bone to pick with you, Curtis. Oh. Um, <laughs> we did Basic Instinct 2. Did I remember you saying it was fine? The fuck? Wait, what? Who did you do Basic Instinct 2 with? Not me. Like this. No, we just did it on our own. It was fucking torture. (laughs) Yeah, I told you it would. Did I not say Basic Instinct 2 would terrible? Right, hang on a second. This is the thing. So (laughs) I will appreciate anything that Sharon Stone does. Like, whatever she lives, breathes, and like promotes, I will. I'm. I'm buying it. I'm eating it up. But Basic Instinct 2 is horrific. There could be like a moment here where you could flash back to that episode where I say it's amazing. <laughs> there is one moment in the film that I really, really love. And it's where he, spoiler alert, and not that anybody's going to care. It's when he's like drowning her in the hot tub and then she like smiles at him. And then he lets go of her and she's like smiling. And then she comes out and goes. It's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely hilarious. It was one of the strangest things I've seen. Like, it was so generic and just, it felt like it wasn't a Basic Instinct sequel and yeah. then decided last second to throw her in. I didn't even really feel like, the, and, and again, I love her so much, but I didn't feel like she was playing Catherine Tremell in Basic no. Instinct 2. I felt like she was so effortless in the first film and the second one, everything about the second one felt like they were all really trying too hard to convince everybody that this was Basic Instinct 2, and it just wasn't. Yeah. I'm strangely British as well. Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it, Basic Instinct, a very American film by the coast, you know, and then it's just, what, slapped. Charlotte into... Rampling pops up in your life. Yeah, <laughs> David Fulis as well, in a terrible year for him. Um, <laughs> with a werewolf on. Oh wait, that's him, isn't it? The werewolf on Harry Potter. Yeah, the uh, the guy who was uh, the photographer in the Omen remake, which was also a challenge to get through. <laughs> yeah, uh, but back to world things. In 2006, the producers tried to develop a spiritual successor, and John McNaughton was in talks to direct again, um, and it was going to be called Backstabbers. No, and. Denise Richards and Neff Campbell were in talks to return. Oh, wait. Uh, I mean, I, I hope it happens now again, but no, yeah. that was back in 2006. A limited series event. What, are we resurrecting Denise? <laughs> <laughs> you can't get rid of it that easily. <laughs> well, it. speaking of, should we talk about who's in it? Yes, yes, in a section we like to call, uh, hey, I know you. 
So now I forgot then. I've said I only said it about a hundred times. She's not top build cast. She's not even on the poster. Well, she, her face is on the poster, but her name's not on the yeah. poster. Yeah. It's not on any of the artwork. Yes, we're talking to you, Arrow Video. We know you. You know we're we're good friends with you. You've done some good things for us. But come on, <gasps> where's Denise's name on the poster? Oh, this film well. stars returning podcast queen Denise Richards as Kelly Lania Van Ryan. I do have to say though, um, Arrow did put her name on the box set for one of the two releases that they did. Oh, fuck, that's not the one we've got. Oh, oh no. wait, do you have the Steelbook one? No, no, we have the... Right, oh, okay, okay. so this will be... You'll enjoy this then. So I got both of them because, you know, when you're a wild thing, stun, you need every single edition <laughs> made. But um, they did put her name onto the top of the slip box and on the Steelbook, which I really loved, but then... Uh-huh. It's nowhere else to be seen on the other edition, which I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, literally, this is Denise Richards' film, let's be real. Like, I love everybody. Like, I love Nev Campbell beyond belief, but this film is Denise Richards, whether, whether anybody likes it or not. So her name should be there. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is the film that made her career, really yeah. started her off, um, become a household name, basically. Mm-hmm. Um I would say she's A-list. Yeah, I mean... Was it absolutely. the time? This kickstarted it all. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who did listen to our Starship Troopers episode, of course, Denise Richards is a star of The World Is Not Enough. Starship Troopers, Valentine, Love Actually, Drop Dead Gorgeous, mm. and many more, including, of course, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. So, um, one bit of trivia, and then I'll, I'll get out of your way, Kurt, because I know you wanted to do a bit of a retrospective on Denise Richards. Trying <laughs> um, to use... A, a body double for the threesome scene. Go on, Queen. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. So, so what what do we have to say about Denise Richards? In a section we like to call <laughs> hey, Bravo, Bravo, <laughs> fucking Bravo. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. That is what I want to say. Um, I just think that Denise Richards is so underrated. Like, I... I could go on a rant right now, which would convince anybody that she is an Oscar-winning actress. And she's not, but she everything about her is just so amazing. Like, I think that the way that she can effortlessly play a certain character type is like serotonin to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, when I see her in Drop Dead Gorgeous... And she's like, lights, camera, and me without a stitch of makeup on. What are you doing here? Like, I just, I love everything that she does in that film. And what she's like in Starship Troopers, too. I feel like that's a more, um, as campy as the film is, I do feel like it's a little bit more of a serious role for her from what she usually plays. Um, As well as World is Not Enough. Um, but then Valentine, like, I remember when I saw Valentine for the first time, I'd literally watched it because of her. And I was so uninterested after she died in it. <laughs> so like boring. Like, but I, just, I literally just think, and you know, it, it's sad that she's not getting as many bigger films uh, anymore nowadays. I did really enjoy Killer Cheer Mom, but um, it really wasn't up on on the level of like wild things. I just think I love that the way that she does snark and side eye. Is yeah. is perfect. No one else can do snark and side eye like she can. Like that little eyebrow raise, like when she just like looks like directly into the barrel of the camera, and she's just like, mm-hmm. like that's just I I just love it. I'd literally base my aesthetic off of her. 
understandable understandable she she's a queen what, what about your thoughts on her as a housewife i i have nothing negative to say about her housewives senior i will i was disappointed that they didn't uh give her whatever money she wanted to do season 11 because <laughs> Season 10 of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I have a weird relationship with The Beverly Hills Housewives show because I feel like nine times out of ten they're giving mediocre, but they have the highest ratings, which is, like, so weird to me. But I had not been love, love, loving what they were giving for so long, and then season 10 came on, and that little clip show that they did at the end of the season 10 premiere that ended with her walking onto the green screen... And the producer says, Denise, are you ready to talk about all of this? And she does that little smirk and the eyebrow raise. And I just, I was like, I am invested. She completely saved that season for me by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Which is what I look, because she just gave them nothing. Like she was just like, she was leaving the events if she didn't want to talk about something. Like she was just not here for it, but it was so entertaining at the same time. So I'm um, I'm Team Denise. I have to say I I have to say it like if I've said that about a million times. But if I had gone on reality television with my best friend of twenty years and they threw me under the bus the way that Lisa Rinna did do to her, I think that somebody would be finding them in a swamp in the middle of shooting a Wild Thing <laughs> sequel and then having to stop production because of it. I I don't wish to upset you in any way. Oh, but I'm I genuinely sure. think Lisa <laughs> Rinna is TV gold. I think she's amazing. She annoys the shit out of me, but I think she is such good TV. And uh, yeah, she threw her under the bus. I do understand that, but I I was I was so entertained. I have to say, I am. <laughs> There was a really funny connection then. It was just all I could hear was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because Gary says that sometimes too. <laughs> yes. So to, in conclusion, we love Denise Richards. Yeah, I love Denise Richards. <laughs> I, and I, I actually think I, I would, I don't want to boil it all down to her looks like Wild Things does. <laughs> um, but I do think Denise Richards is one of the true beauties. I think she's, yeah. you know, such a, a beautiful actress. I do think she's underrated. Drop Dead Gorgeous. She gives a, a fantastic performance. Really great comedian. And um, her hair is always perfect in yes, these films. Like, is, always. Except when it's in a ragamuffin bun. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I do have to say, I really feel like Wild Things proved that she could act. Like, I know that there's going to be some people that are going to think I'm, like, talking out of my ass, but I do feel like when you watch Wild Things, compared to some of the other stuff that she's done, in this film, she really does prove that she can act. Like, she's crying on cue. Do you know what I mean? Like, she was selling yeah. all the scenes that she was in. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays, maybe, like, her new fans just look at her uh, current body of work, like uh, Money Plane or <laughs> the um, <laughs> Killer Cheer Mom, and they're like, oh, right, okay, so she's not really like the toy box. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's not really like giving that much now. But when you watch Wild Things, you know that she can act when you see this film. Yeah. She nails it. It's fit for purpose. You know, it, it's Wild Things. It needs to be campy, almost soap opera style of acting. 
Yeah. And I think everyone's in on that in the film. Obviously, we'll get into it when we talk about the film. But Denise Richards especially, I do think her acting in it is fit for the purpose of the film. You know, yeah. Meryl Streep can, couldn't do this performance because it's not a Meryl Streep role. It, Can it's you imagine? Someone... <laughs> <laughs> but it's perfect for someone like Denise Richards because, you know, she can do that campiness and and to me yeah. that's still great acting not everyone can do that exactly not everybody is an oscar actor do you know what i mean like not, it, and that's just the fact it's like we don't need oscar actors like for everything no it's true and next up oh. we have uh, a man who described the script as the trashiest thing he had ever read and also <laughs> funny enough an executive producer kevin bacon plays sergeant ray duquette he is, of course, a star of Footloose, The Woodsman, Hollow Man, Mystic River, Friday the 13th, They Them, X-Men First Class, and more. I totally forgot that we had to talk about everybody else that was in the film. There <laughs> yeah. was a moment then where I was thinking, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, yeah, Kevin Bacon's in this. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he has some uh, accidental full frontal nudity in this. Yeah, he has a full cock shot in it. Go, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't think anyone would ever see it, um, mainly because he thought Matt Dillon was uh, blocking the shot. But no, uh, yeah, it made a cameo. That's interesting to me how, you know, you hear all the um, horror stories of that happening to women on sets, but you don't really ever hear about it happening to a bloke on set. No. Which I always found that quite interesting when I first heard it. I was like, oh, right, okay. But also, I'm assuming that Kevin Bacon, as a producer of the film, could have turned around and said, "No, we're not using that." I, I'm because he could have known something. He, he got had no nudity clause. Yeah, but no one told him. He called up the editor and was like, "Oh, how's that shot looking?" They're like, "Oh yeah, you look really good." <laughs> like, brilliant, no problem. That's it. And then so no, on the big yeah, screen. Yeah, no one told him. Oh, <laughs> surprise. That's like in, in Basic Instinct when yeah. Yeah. when Sharon Stone didn't realise what the shot was going to look like and then she went and clobbered the director in the theatre booth after or something. I think what's interesting, though, is you look at Sharon Stone's career after Basic Instinct mm. and the way she was perceived after that scene and then look at Kevin Bacon yeah. after Wild Things and how he was perceived after that scene. Oh, it's so very brave of Kevin Bacon to yeah. go frontal, <laughs> yeah. whereas Sharon Stone was typecast for decades afterwards. Mm -hmm. And think, also I, Denise. Yeah, Denise, of course, yeah. Yeah, Denise being the the uh, the only female that does any, yeah. you, you know, nudity in this film. Yeah, absolutely, and the, the way they're treated post, you know, the film coming out. Yeah. But I don't think we've got long enough to. Do. I don't think we've got long enough to discuss that. <laughs> I don't think we're the kind of podcast to be discussing this, but, it's, but it is very like true that a bloke does it and gets championed, and a girl does it, and it's like they just get completely. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They get presented as something in the media that they're not. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, next up, we have Matt Dillon as Sam Lombardo. He's the star of the Something About Mary, Crash, The House That Jack Built, 
Drugstore Cowboy, You, Me and Dupree, The Outsiders, and more. This originally was going to be Robert Downey Jr. And I am so glad it wasn't, because Matt Dillon in this film is so fucking attractive. (laughs) Like, everything about... When I first saw this film, I'd... I'm a little bit unclear about when I actually first came to know about Wild Things. I believe that I discovered it when I'd got Scream 2 on DVD. And obviously, because I'd only had it on VHS before, I wasn't aware of like bonus features. And there was like a little uh, featurette thing where Nev Campbell says on it, she's like, uh, oh, I got to do a movie called Wild Things. And I'm sure it shot a shot of the poster. And that's when I kind of figured out about it. But like, I remember watching that and I was just like thinking to myself, I would... <laughs> I just knew that there was something different about me when I saw this film for the first time and like how <laughs> I knew that 90% of the blokes that were watching this were going to be looking at Denise Richards and Nev Campbell and I just could not take my eyes off Matt Dillon. Yeah, it's a strange one with Matt Dillon because I've never looked at him as attractive, but then in this film, you're absolutely right. There's just something about mm-hmm. him in this that's oddly attractive. I was just like, yes. I remember when he came on screen, I was like, absolutely. fucking lootly <laughs> this is the only film of his I think I've seen. No. Oh, Bullets Over Broad. No, is it Bullets Over Broadway? Bullets Over Broadway. Bloodhounds, Bloodhounds of Broadway. Yeah. Um, and I was only watching that for Madonna. Um, so he's kind <laughs> of one of those actors for me that's always just kind of existed. Wait, you've not seen a sermon about Mary? No. Oh, but yeah. But he's kind of existed and I never really took much notice. Yeah. You, you are correct. He's irresistible in uh, Wild Things, <laughs> as we'll find out. Irresistible to everyone he ever comes into contact with. I feel like his costumes were so good. Like that tight shirt that he wears on the poster that's like, just like really like figure hugging and everything like that. So good. And then like, he's always wearing those open flannel shirts. Yeah, I feel like um, the costume department, they were definitely given certain instructions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and. There's just something about the film where it, it does a good job of trying to make everyone look really sexy. Like, yeah. um, I don't know if it's like the cinematography or the costume choices or everything, but they even give a good go with Kevin Bacon. And I, I had a second <laughs> oh where I was God. like, I had a second what where I had to remind myself. Well, I'm just saying, I had a second where I had to remind myself, wait, this is Kevin Bacon. No, Gary, you don't find him attractive. Yeah, because they didn't fight him. Just not my type of guy, but you know. <laughs> Even Bill Murray. So, sorry, Kev. Sorry. No, not Bill Murray. <laughs> let's not go that far. Let's, let's not go that far. <laughs> but everyone else, it gives it a good go. Um, especially the natural beauty that is Nev Campbell as Susie Toller. Um, the threesome scene with her, Denise Richards and Matt Dillon, they all got really drunk uh, on tequila before shooting it. So <laughs> Good on them for giving such a good performance whilst drunk. You know what? I have to say, Nev Campbell is just one of those actors where I truly believe that she can play anything. Like, yeah. she's another one that's just so good in this film. Like, I feel like it's Denise's film first, but it's like Nev's film right afterwards. I would give it to them both, but I just feel like for everything that this did for Denise's career and stuff, I really feel like it's it's very clear who pulls the most focus in the film. But yeah. not to compare anybody, but Nev is just so talented. Like, she, every single character that she plays, I just, I just always want to know what's going on with them, how it's going to end with them. I'm usually rooting for her character, like, 90% of the time. I just, I, I love her. 
Yeah, star of uh, Scream franchise, The Craft, Skyscape, Skyscraper, Skyscraper, <laughs> Castle in the Ground, Party of Five, Fifty Four, Free to Tango, Drown in Mona, and more. Yeah, I I do love I do love Nev Campbell. I I do. I um I do hope. I I don't know. I kind of hope she comes back to Scream, but at the same time, I'm happy with her happy ending. So I kind of wanted to come back more for the reason that I want her to get a good payday and I want them to actually pay her what she deserves more than I do for the character because I feel like the character's left in a good place. I kind of feel like Paramount don't care. To be honest, like, yeah. I really feel like Paramount. I, and the reason why is because the same thing just happened with the Mean Girls, uh, with the original Mean Girls cast, where they got lowballed for being in for going to be appearing in the musical film and so they pulled out of doing it i just kind of feel like they aren't really that bothered about paying their actors but because there's been so many reports now that they've done that to their female talent i do kind of think to myself like they need to do something to make themselves look good yeah maybe there is a chat but then there was all that thing where they were there were just rumors obviously but they were saying that they they weren't going to wait for jenna ortega to finish filming wednesday to do i heard that as well yeah because they they're trying to push the they're trying to okay this franchise always felt like sydney's franchise and in the last two films they've tried to make it more ghostface's franchise Mm -hmm. like it's you know, he's what you see on all of the promotional material now. Like, it's very Ghostface focused where it wasn't as much before. So I feel like they're trying to do that to see how it helps ticket sales. And there are a lot of things I didn't like about Scream 6, but I did think it proved that it can stand without Sydney. But yeah. I want Sydney in the film, point blank, and I'm never going to change my mind on that. Like, I don't even feel as though she's had a happy ending because we haven't seen it. Like, the third film felt like a happy ending. Like, when she, you know, she opened up those gates and she was living her best life and she was like, yes! And then yeah. she, the door opened at the end. She had a little dog. They were all watching a film in the living room, which is the weirdest scene in the whole franchise. <laughs> but um, they, I, I just felt like we knew that she was in a great place then. And in Scream 5, I just, I, I would have loved to have seen just at least one scene of her, like, with Mark and stuff like that, just so that we get a glimpse into a happy life instead of her jogging on a boardwalk with an empty pram. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I just keep thinking, is the character's last stand in this franchise yeah. be sat in the back of an ambulance <laughs> in a blanket saying, I'll survive, I always do. It feels very half-arsed, but I, I could... This scream stuff, like, I, I can't even, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say, though, I just want to go back to what you were saying about him getting uh, wasted to film the threesome scene. Um, I do remember that Nev and Denise had gone and shared their thoughts before they did the pool sequence. Um, And it was like Denise, uh, Nev was like saying that she was, she'd wrote in her diary or something that she was really excited to do it. And she was like, she'd never kissed a girl before. So she was excited for the whole experience and stuff. And Denise was like, shit scared or something like she was like I was kind of there thinking you know what am I about to do is this really going to happen kind of thing like I, I, I don't know if I should be doing this so I always found that to be quite an interesting tidbit especially after season 10 of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills book yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well finally we have Teresa Russell as Sandra Van Ryan 
Queen Teresa Russo. Star of Spider-Man 3, Bad Timing, Physical Evidence, Tenebrae, Whore, Eureka, Black Widow. She was in Tenebrae? Yeah. Who was she in that? She was um, dubbing for um, Daria Nicolodi's character. Oh, right. (laughs) I think she was dubbing... Yeah, she wasn't I was in like it. I was thinking to myself, I didn't see her in that film. I was like flashing through it in my mind. Then, like, did I see her? Did I not see her? I think it's in the version where they play um, Kim Wilde at the end. Right. Okay. Cool. I'd love that film, by the way. Anyway, sorry to cut you off. <laughs> but yeah, she she is a big scene stealer in this. Um, it's one of those where I I've only seen this film twice, and from watching it the first time, I kind of thought that she had more screen time than she actually had. When we watch it this time around, it's like, oh, wow, she, she's hardly in it. She is, but she steals every scene yeah. she's in. Yeah. I'm a big Teresa Russell fan, and I, I think she suffered a lot. Um, kind of the same way Sharon Stone did, where yeah. she was typecast as a highly sexualized female characters, and it made it difficult for her to sort of break through to the bigger or, or meatier roles. Um, but I think she's fantastic. I think Whore is one of the most underrated films ever, and I think she's brilliant in it. A real camp classic. Um, yeah, I love her, and I, I love her in uh, Wild Things. Yeah, I loved that on the um, the interview that Denise did for the 4K, um, she said on that how the two of them had like grown really close during filming and she gave her lots of advice about doing like on-screen nudity and stuff which I thought was quite nice because it must be quite scary when you're an actor and you're going into that situation where you know you're about to like you know take your clothes off on camera and not only is everybody on set going to see you naked but then like the whole world is going to see you naked so I thought it was nice that uh, she'd give offered her like that support in that moment oh yeah and they make an iconic duo in the film as well oh yeah they're great so, before we move on to the film, the question we've asked during all of our Pride Month episodes, what makes this queer? Um, I mean, for starters, it's a major studio film with both a highly detailed bisexual threesome scene and a steamy same-sex kiss scene. Um, but yeah, what, what makes us gay? I think that's it, really. And, and it's obviously very camp. camp and it, it has a place in a lot of... Um, gay boys' hearts. Yeah. Particularly of a certain age for myself, you know, I sort of, uh, it was one of those films that you had to watch uh, yeah. growing up. Um, but yeah, I think, I think definitely the, the pool scene. Yeah, the pool scene. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting as well because it's one of those films that you maybe could accuse of having um sort of bisexuality for the male gaze do you think um, do you think we could accuse it of maybe being a bit uh um the heart not being in it fully with its representation sorry, what was that curtis no i just i definitely think it knew what its target audience was yeah, you know, like yeah. With, it knew that it, the predominant like audience for this film was going to be like straight blocks so like what better way to get straight blocks into a film than have two women kissing each other yeah which i think is 
it's quite amusing considering the sort of following it has now in 2023 is definitely yeah. a big gay following, um, which is kind of the same thing with like, obviously the marketing for Jennifer's Body, uh, of course the famous yeah. scene from Cruel Intentions, you know, a lot of these things have aged better now because uh, the gays have took control, really. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and exactly. I, th <laughs> I, I think have to say, sorry, I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I just, uh, I think when you're struggling for representation as well, you kind of find it wherever you can and you do forgive a lot. Yeah. Because I, I don't think Nev Campbell and Denise Richards making out in a pool was for a lesbian audience but mm. it can be now yeah i mean screw it you know and you kind of forgive things like that and you sort of make your own intentions and we do that a lot for films yeah you know time you know has passed and we can look at things however we like now yeah. it's sort of like yeah screw it you know i think susie was a lesbian and who's going to tell me no screw it and that and that scene was just so fabulous as well. Like the bikini that Denise was wearing, Nev in her tank top and the red hair. Like it was just this is why the gays love it. Do you know what I mean? Like we look at what yeah. they're wearing, we look at the setting, like the setup for the whole scene is so ridiculous, but so phenomenal at the same time. Kevin Bacon, you know, jerking off in the corner, watching him on the video camera. Like it's just everything about that sequence is just so brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the dialogue. I feel like the dialogue makes the film really queer as well. Like some of the lines in this film are just. Like... Oh yeah, the dialogue is high camp. East yeah. Richards absolutely talks like a drag queen at times. It's yeah. <laughs> so let's get into our feature presentation. Where'd she get those shoes? Tramps for less? Susie had always wanted to belong. I have other friends. To be part of the crowd. We just need to get wasted. But once they let her in. Stick to the plan. I am scared. They get away with it. There was only one way out. There's no one to trust. You can trust me. Kevin Bacon, Matt Dillon, Nev Campbell. I'd want to keep a real close eye on my new friends. Wild things. Don't touch me. Directed by John McNaughton. Rated R. Opens everywhere March 20th. We start the film with Denise Richards. The first line of dialogue is fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> we start in the upscale Miami suburb of Blue Bay during a school assembly about sex crimes led by high school guidance counselor Sam Lombardo. Susie Toller, who comes from a poor family in the Everglades, storms out when it's revealed that police detective Ray Duquette is hosting the talk uh, because he arrested her for drug possession previously. And we get a bit of... Uh, yeah, bastard. Iconic, yeah. We, we get a bit of iconic dialogue here from the trailer where uh, Matt Dillon's like, oh, what's a sex crime? And some guy in the uh, audience like, oh, I'm not getting any. <laughs> yes, classy Gen X teens. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was interesting to see Teresa Russell got higher billing than Denise Richards. Yeah. And I think that just goes to show how much of a breakout role this was for her. Yeah. You know, she's a huge part of the film, way bigger than Teresa Russell. Yeah. But she gets lower billing yeah. uh, during the credits. Build fifth and not above the title. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> she would now. Really All right. She would now. <laughs> Just because it's in the first scene. The soundtrack for this film is oh, so yeah. good. 
like I called it swampy and salacious when I did my post about it last week. And it, just the the little like noise, it like the and then like when it goes into it, it's like like it's just so like it's so I can't even I don't even know. It's just swampy. It's swampy and salacious, and I love it so much, and I want it on vinyl. It's like a yassified Channel 5 erotic thriller soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Um, but also the needle drops as well. Like, it's so 90s. Oh, okay. um, so and 90s. I'm, I'm here for that. So. Oh, absolutely. So 90s. Um, and very a very sweaty film. Like, yeah. from the get-go, <laughs> there are many, many films that are... And erotic thrillers tend to be, I'm thinking, like, Body Heat and stuff like that. You know, they do tend to be very sweaty, but this one, it's even more so. Everyone kind of looks a little damp. Yeah. This one's muggy. Muggy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's set in the swamp. It's in fucking Florida. Sorry to anybody that lives in Florida. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's muggy, isn't it? You just look at them and you just think, God, I bet they all stink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam gives wealthy Kelly Van Ryan and another student, Jimmy Leach, a lift home from school uh, when Kelly asks Susie, well, she asks about, <laughs> about Susie, where'd she get those shoes? Horse for life. Horse for less. Horse, horse for, for less. less. <laughs> I thought it was horse for life. Horse for less. Horse for, that's even horse better, then. Jesus, oh. where'd she get those shoes? Horse for less. <laughs> <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> Well, they also listened to Semi-Charm Life by Third Eye Blind and Why Can't We Be Friends by Smash Mouth. Again, so 90s. Yeah. I love the um, Semi-Charmed Life was one of my favourite songs. Using every teen film. Oh, my God. I suppose it gives me that nostalgia feeling because it's in so many of these films. Love it. Um, So when you get back to Kelly's house, her mother, Sandra greets them with a grand entrance on the balcony and has a flirt with Sam. And oh my God, I it is just one of the campest things I've ever seen. Yes. She's serving in a bikini with a dressing gown. Yeah. It's open, showing her hot bods. And she, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about the hair. What do we think of the hair? Uh, yes. Yeah? Yeah. She, I, gets a, I, she was just shagging the guy in the bedroom right before, so she gets a pass on there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's um, she's a, a she's a, a legend. She's a legend. She's absolutely she gorgeous. But just when you think you know you you can't be slayed anymore, we then get Lauren Christie. I want what I want playing as Kelly and her friend Nicole wash Sam's car for him. Denise <laughs> <laughs> Richards doing a sexy car wash. That is camp. So where's your hose, Mr. Lombardo? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. It's, it's iconic. iconic. <laughs> it's so iconic. <laughs> she loves washing a car in this film, she don't does. she? Oh, yeah. You don't want a dirty car, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and they're in the swamp, too. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sam goes to grab his voucher for the car wash uh, when Kelly tells Nicole to go home. She walks into Sam's house in her wet clothes, cuts away, and we see her running away from the house with ripped clothes. Well, this is like the first moment in the film for me where... I feel like there's so many moments 
in this film that is like gasp worthy and like and yeah. really gag worthy at the same time. But just like I feel like that was the first moment where you think, wait, what the fuck just happened? Kind of thing. Like you, it takes a shift, like all of a sudden, and you get propelled into like what film are we actually watching? Kind of a thing. Yeah, because it kind of plays it out like a nineties teen comedy up until that point. Yeah. To a certain degree, but I feel like the first image you really see of the film is the word sex crime written large on a chalkboard. So I do think it kind of indicates where we're going in in terms of, you know, sex crimes, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think he's so smart. He he saw what was on the board. He's so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm now like that like wait what's going on <laughs> <laughs> but I also think this is the first time we see Denise Richards framed in a particular way and I think she's sort of uh, always framed different to others you know the, the image of her dripping wet in his front room and then later on at the swimming pool these moments that I feel are sort of made for the marketing of the film and they're high camp and she looks absolutely beautiful and I, I do appreciate them but do you understand what I mean yeah. these images they were like we're gonna get this on the uh, back cover of the VHS yeah it's yeah gonna look great and I think Denise Richards is the actress or, or the character that is always framed in that way whereas the, the others aren't necessarily yeah no I agree they knew who was selling this film. <laughs> she takes a day off school to shoot clay pigeons. And, uh... <laughs> what a line. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sandra gets a call from Sam to let her know um, that she's not turned up. And she's and Sandra says, you know, I haven't found anyone who can handle my boat the way you can. <laughs> she says, so she's interrupted uh, in the middle of shagging one of her employees and um she says this line to sam whilst her employee is standing right next to her (laughs) and he gives her a very disappointed look he was rattled about (laughs) that she must handle a boat very well though because he sticks by her side for the rest of the film oh yeah she is paying him though as well so like (laughs) yeah i suppose so (laughs) It's Teresa Russell, though, so... It know. is the Teresa Russell, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, in a, in a shocking turn of events, Kelly accuses Sam of sexually assaulting her. Uh, she tells her mum about it, and uh, she takes her to the police station to give a statement. And I believe Denise Richards in that scene. Like, I... Yeah. Like, watching it, I really believed the acting. I thought she was so on point with it. And... Also, Teresa Russell, but I always kind of felt like her character motivation, I don't feel as though she loved Kelly as much as she should have done. No, no. She loved herself more. And I've watched this film so many times at this point that I truly do believe that the reason why her character is going so hard on suing him isn't for what's happened to to her daughter, but more so because of the fact that he isn't really with her anymore. Yeah, yeah, That's I think kind so. of what I took it as. Like she was so 
because that is the one scene in the film where they actually seem close and all the other scenes it's like they can't fucking stand each other yeah yeah absolutely i i think um just before um kelly tells her about uh, sam raping her she there's they have a conversation and kelly says i miss dad yeah she says i miss him too sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sandra does say you know my daughter does not get raped in blue bay yeah and i think that's not because of her daughter i think it's because of her standing in blue bay yeah and the fact that she kind of gets off on the idea that people are scared of her because of her being a van ryan because of all her money and such and it frustrates her that sam isn't enamored by that and uh, i think she likes to think that she's the queen of Blue Bay. And she probably is, by all accounts. Everyone if it was a real housewife of Blue Bay, she'd be sent a crocodile holder oh, Absolutely. 100%. She would be the Vanderpump, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Kelly, when she's being questioned by the police, she goes into great detail about uh, the rape. And it kind of, I thought it seemed exploitative. But then I really thought about it and for because we know, you know, that it's a false allegation mm. and that's very much what the film's about. Um, because we know that I did feel like it was maybe a little exploitative. But I also thought, actually, what we're trying to convey here is that Kelly is a despicable person. Yeah. And the film is full of despicable people. You don't know whose side you turn, you want mm-hmm. to be on. And I think her going into great detail just shows how, and this is separating, obviously, Denise Richards from the character, um, but just how awful she is. Yes. Yeah. That she goes into this great detail and it's all false and she knows that it's all false and um, it's basically for the money. Money that she was going to get anyway but she just wants it early because yep. she's selfish. But I have to play devil's advocate for a second here because I view her character as being more damaged than anything else because it's very clear that, like, her dad's death has, like, absolutely shook her up to the core kind of thing, especially, like, in the flashbacks that you see towards the end of the movie. I feel as though... The main person that was always at fault in this film, in her storyline, was Sam. Because they did start shagging. Like, before, Sorry if no one's watched the film, by the way. Like, I'm assuming that you have, if you're listening but to this. Like, spoil it's fine. It's going to get spoiled. <laughs> you know, they were shagging before this even happened, like, up in the glade. So, like, he, as her guidance counsellor, should have been like, no, and that should never have happened. And then... Obviously, with everything else that happens in the film, I really feel like Kelly was more just a pawn in everybody else's game. I feel like they want you to think it's her game, but she was really just a pawn in everybody else's. And I think she was so desperate to maybe feel something after what um, her family had obviously gone through and the fact that, you know, her mother's really not there for her in the slightest. I view her being more of 
a victim overall in the film than anything else. It could be a bit too deep, and I don't think the character's supposed to be that layered because of the type oh. of film it is. <laughs> but I'd, that is always how I view to like in the film as a whole. Once you've watched it all, I do kind of feel like that's the idea I get is that, yeah, she was really just like the biggest victim out of all of them because. I mean, she was young. She, you know, he did take advantage of her whichever way anybody looks at it. And then they managed to convince her to like pull off this elaborate scheme to split her inheritance three fucking ways. Like, I could never. Two ways. She is an accomplice to Susie's murder in her oh, eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking more. I was, about I was on your side, but. Uh... <laughs> uh, until the moment where she's an accomplice to murder, she didn't do the murdering. No, she did grab the uh, body bag. She grabbed the body bag. <laughs> she did. <laughs> well, Ray believes uh, believes Denise Richards, but his partner Gloria Perez does not, and thinks that she's acting. So Sam hires. Uh, Kenneth Bowden, played by uh, the recently cancelled Bill Murray, to defend him. Wait, what? Uh, Bill Murray got cancelled? Yeah, being uh, inappropriate with women on the sets of films. Oh, for God's sake. I thought he was one of the good ones. Yeah. It was um, Gina Davis's uh, autobiography. When sure, Davis not Gina Davis. Yeah, how inappropriate he was. Oh, that's that's really sad to hear, is that? I, uh, you know, I, I love Gina Davis a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, same. I only watched Family and Louise for the first time yesterday. I still haven't seen it. I need to. God, it's amazing. It's so good. Okay, you can't be shot by someone not seeing it. I don't know. I saw it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) You've not seen it? (laughs) But yes, uh, Bill Murray's going to defend him, and uh, Sam's girlfriend, Barbara, and her father no no longer want anything to do with him. Sandra's uh, Sandra's lover, Frankie Kondo, drives him off the road and beats him up. Yeah, he's down on his luck. Yeah. Yes. Barbara, Barbara, uh, is the name Barbara? It's Barbara, isn't it? Barbara? Yeah. She, yeah. His girlfriend, yeah. yeah. His girlfriend dumps him. Um, well, a... really, it's kind of the dad that dumps him. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> it's not just going along with it. <laughs> no, who, the dad, that is... Uh, Robert Wagner, and he is Sandra's lawyer. Is that the connection? Because he he pops up a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's he's not during the trial. I suppose it wouldn't be. I don't think he's the lawyer. I think I think that they have some form of like a connection, but I'm sure he's not because when he steps up in court to say something, the judge is like, "You're not trying this case," like kind of thing. And yeah. he was the like audience part. Wait, no, did he cross-examine Susie? I can't remember. No, he didn't, no. If if he was a defence lawyer... (laughs) I know he's getting into the uh, American justice system. (laughs) 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 We cover all ground on this podcast. I know, tell me about (laughs) Well, Ray and Gloria are called to go visit Susie in her trailer, and uh, they're (laughs) greeted by her when she says, it took you long enough. What if someone was trying to strangle me? Fuck me in the ass, even. It's like, oh my god, Nev Campbell. Wow. <laughs> and her delivery is always perfect. Yeah. 
Uh, she makes a similar accus- accusation to what Kelly said, and we get the trial where Susie succumbs to pressure during cross-examination and admits that she and Kelly concocted the false allegations to get revenge on Sam. Susie for his failure to bail her out of jail on a minor drug charge, and Kelly for his affair with her mother, real, uh, of course, we already know, real estate heiress uh, Sandra Van Ryan. And uh, when Susie spills the truth, Kelly's like, you skanky bitch! (laughs) 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 I love that part. And like Susie just dodges it straight away, which yeah, that's great. <laughs> Get your well, fucking hands off me! Do you know who I am? <laughs> what I love is number one, Sandra serving in a bright yellow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I don't know where she she's going, but it's like a, a, a dress suit. I don't. How would you describe that? With like a yellow hat. I have no idea. Like she's going to church. I also love how Susie. She's not only poor, but she's also a top-tier 90s alternative girl. Yeah. She's a head-to-toe in black, silver jewellery, and heavy eye makeup. <laughs> Which is quite, was kind of Nev Campbell's thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah she's had a very similar look, hasn't she, in, at the beginning of her career? Well, more from, like, Scream 2 onwards. Yeah, she's got Gail's hair from Scream yeah. 2. She's got the red highlights, but she's giving her character in the craft. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, she she had that nailed down, that alternative girl in the 90s. Definitely. Yeah. I think just, that just... really went and brought brought the full character out of the shell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this is remade uh, late 2000s. It probably would have been Kristen Stewart playing the role. Oh, God. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sam and Kenneth negotiate an $8.5 million settlement for uh, for defamation, which Sandra pays out using funds from a trust Kelly would receive only upon Sandra's death. Kelly attacks Sam in retaliation. Yeah. And this is where I noticed that Denise's, uh, Denise Richards' hair is perfect in every single scene. Yeah. Like, she's going absolutely wild, and her hair still has, like, real bounce and shine yeah. to it. Like, if she walked past a lit candle, she'd probably go up in flames. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the first of the many big twists in this film, Ooh. after oh. the payout, <laughs> it's revealed that Sam and the two girls were working together using the trial to extort money from Sandra, and they celebrate by having a steamy threesome. Yeah, we get the big reveal in Sam's hotel room as Kelly appears from the bathroom with a bottle of champagne. And she says that it worked, we screwed the bitch. And then Susie appears from another room too. And they they do, they celebrate with a threesome. Um, It starts off reluctantly and then Sam says, now I want you two to kiss. (laughs) Um, I always... Goes on a while, doesn't it? Actually, it goes on a while, it's, yeah. it's we did watch the unrated version. Oh, we did. Yeah. Oh, okay. It don't watch that long in the normal one. Oh, and I the pool actually... scene's like completely cut out in the normal one. Yeah, I did remember it being shorter. Okay, that makes sense then. And I've always found it, it, it maybe a little awkward that Denise Richards is the only one that shows any uh, sort of real nudity in this scene. Yeah. So Nev Campbell, she is seen, you know, bare. 
that back to what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that detail. She takes the top off, and you, we only see her from the back. <laughs> and Dylan uh, should have been naked. Like, let's just be real. <laughs> <laughs> but she had a no nudity clause in her contract because she was the. She was uh, in family-friendly drama Party of Five on TV. Yeah. So in that contract, she wasn't allowed to do any nudity. Uh, but I always found it maybe a little, a little awkward that Denise Richards is the only one who really... It's so funny does that any of the nudity. It's so funny she's allowed to be part of a steamy threesome and a steamy kiss in the swimming pool. But yeah, she's she's allowed to be murdered as well. And like everything that happens in Scream also. But yeah. she's not allowed to show a bit of skin. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she can be attacked constantly for hours on end in the Scream. <laughs> well, it would have been two Scream films at yeah. this point. But Lord forbid she has a uh, sex scene. Oh, God. Oh. I think it's like the the fact as well that it's how the press would have portrayed. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Like... With the horror films and stuff like that, they they aren't really going to write about anything other than you know the fact that she's the final girl. Whereas with this one, like I feel like they would have already had a field day with like her and Denise Richards like getting it on with each other. So it's like I feel like if she'd have actually gone naked, they probably would have like really hyper focused on it. Yeah, and that's yeah, probably so. why the clause was there for yeah. um, Party of Five. Is because of the press. Yeah. Because the press would have really honed in on it. And by all account, and I, I'm not massive, you know, I was only 10 when it came out. But from what I gathered from the film, up, up leading up until watching it, the emphasis was on Denise Richards. And it was like, yeah. oh my God, Denise Richards does nudity. This is the film that, you know, Denise, Denise does Blueberry. Sorry. Uh I said Denise does Bluebird. <laughs> I have to say, when I... Um, so, obviously, I've talked about my best friend Tasha before on the Basic Instinct one because I just introduced all these movies to her. So, she loved Basic Instinct a whole lot when I showed her that one, and I was like, oh, girl, we got to watch Wild Things at some point. So, when I got Wild Things on for it, she was absolutely gagged throughout this film multiple times. Like, at first, when when uh, the rape allegation happened, she was like, I did not see it going this way kind of thing. And then when the reveal happened that they made it up, she was like, wait, what the fuck? She was like, I'm so, I, I was not going to see that coming. The second that this hotel sequence started, when Denise is stood in the little bathroom thing and she walks out with the thing, she's like, she's going to kill him. She's going to kill him. <laughs> she's going to kill him. And I obviously know what's going to happen. And then she pulls out the champagne and she was like, what? And then it gets into it, and she was like, so they were all in on it together. I knew I was going to enjoy this film. I was like, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's that kind of film that just gives you so many twists and turns, like, multiple times. And with within a short space of time from each one, really, when you think about it, um, it really does just kind of, like, hook you in. But this scene specifically just was like... I remember when I first saw it as well, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I was not expecting that to happen at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those where it could go one or two ways when you have this many twists in the film. It could become a bit convoluted, feel a bit forced, but I don't think it does. I think it works. And, yeah. you know, the first time I watched it, I, I had no idea where it was going to go next. And it never really loses itself either. It all makes sense in the end. Like, it all comes together. Yeah. 
Yeah, it does. And I think it realises how ridiculous it is yeah. as well. And there's a, a, a tongue-in-cheek sort of way of doing it, where by the end of the film, you're like, the, the last... Um, obviously, we'll get into it, but the last half an hour of the film, it's like twist, 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 you know? It's like, yeah. what's that song? <laughs> Is it Chubby Checker? Twist <laughs> 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 <Just> again. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, by the end of the film, you're like, oh, okay, it's like got a whole 360, and it's like, oh, <laughs> and then it has to take you back to before the film started to give you more twists. It's like, oh, yeah, but it knows what it's doing and it knows how ridiculous it is, yeah, and it plays into that, you know, and it doesn't take itself seriously, and that's why it works, yeah. I agree. Ray suspects that the trio are working a scam, and against the wishes of the district attorney's office, he continues investigating Sam. He tells both Kelly and Susie that Sam has already transferred the money to an offshore account. So Susie panics and goes to Kelly, who calls Sam and tells him they may have to get rid of Susie. And then this is when we get the iconic scene, the scene that everyone talks about with this film, the scene that, you know, it's on the poster, it's in the trailer, yeah. everyone knows about it. <laughs> um, it starts with a fight where Susie attacks Kelly and calls her a stupid cunt. No, Kelly calls Kelly. Susie. Ke oh, Kelly, Kelly calls her. Yeah, Kelly <laughs> calls her that. Sorry. Um, yeah. The delivery. The delivery was perfect. It was. And, Su and uh, Susie's like, that's all I am to you, isn't it? Swamp trash. <laughs> Just like her mum. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just like Scream. <laughs> yeah. No, just like my mum. Yeah. She does say mum, doesn't she? Uh-huh. And at the end... It was just the way he came in with it afterwards. It just sounded so like, yeah, just like her mum. <laughs> but so the big reveal, obviously, we're going to spoil the whole thing. So I'm jumping way ahead. But it's revealed that Susie's, she lives with her grandmother. Yeah. But it's revealed it hasn't, it isn't actually her grandmother. Yeah. Because Susie's mum was um, with Kelly's dad. Mm -hmm. They had an affair and he dumped her when she got pregnant. So when she says, just like my mum, is she referring to her real mum? She'd call her grandma, wouldn't she? So Susie knows the secret, but does that also insinuate that Kelly knows the secret? And then no, they know that they're half sisters. <laughs> well, I mean, just to add a bit of context, <laughs> yeah. the bit you're referring to was added in for the unrated cut. Oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how much is being read. I'm just wondering how how knowledgeable on their uh, relationship their familial relationship are they before they start making out in the pool <laughs> right after this i don't Do think they know they're half sisters i honestly don't think that sandra knew either to be honest with you no no i assume not because i feel like if when the trial happened i feel like sandra would have given a hint away that it's her sister maybe yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, they, they they fight, but eventually end up having a steamy kiss whilst being watched by Ray, uh, unbeknownst to them, and he's uh, filming them. 
<laughs> I always thought that champagne got poured on Denise Richards in the pool. The showgirls. But that's showgirls. <laughs> I'm getting my erotic thrillers mixed up. She does get champagne poured on her in the Martel scene, though. In the mo yeah, in the Motel yeah. scene. But I thought it happened in You're the You're on the right lines. But that's showgirls. Yeah, this scene was much better than Showgirls' one. <laughs> I was thought there was another iconic pool scene. Um, so when Ray goes to speak to Kelly, Denise Richards emerges from the pool. Yes. Does the uh, does she do a little mermaid flick with her hair and <laughs> you know drying the stuff up? And that I mean iconic image. Yeah. Completely pointless, <laughs> apart from to put it on the back of the VHS. But iconic image of her emerging from the pool. And that's what I feel I, like that's how I always get out of a pool now because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always get out of the pool like I've got the wild thing. Nah, 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 nah. Like when I'm like there, I'm like, I don't have any hair on my head to like flick back, but I just pretend I do. <laughs> and I think for me that encapsulates kind of how Denise Richards is in the in the film. You know, she doesn't get top billing. But her image gets top billing. Yeah. Like she's on all the marketing, but her name doesn't <laughs> mean as much by this point. Uh -huh. And I think I think that's really interesting. So Ray takes the tape to work and tries to explain to his boss about what's going on, uh, but is told to leave the case alone. And Sam's also there and is fuming that he was brought down to the station for it and threatens to sue him if he does it again. And then a few nights later, at the beach, in a bizarre series of events, Sam bludgeons Susie to death whilst Kelly waits nearby. I just want to say on the scene in the the um, the police office kind of thing, I was always really confused how his character didn't get arrested at that point because technically aren't Kelly and Susie supposed to be like 16 in this film? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you would have thought that they'd have been like, uh, what the fuck, man? Get in the cell. But yeah. no, <laughs> nothing. It's fine. They're like, Jesus Christ, just stay away from the case. And it's like, <laughs> don't arrest him or anything. He's just been, like, lurking in the fucking bushes, filming them, like, shagging each other. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sure that says something about the... Uh... American police. Force. American police. Sure, it's very on brand for the police in police. general, but yeah. <laughs> a hidden truth. Yeah. Also, Sam calls Ray a cocksucker, which I hate as an insult in films. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I <laughs> I mean, I am, so I can't really say all that bit, to be honest with you. So I'm. <laughs> It's like the worst insult. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what Queen said it recently, and we were like, oh, okay. Oh, Heather Langenkamp in uh, Harry's Judgment. We're like, oh, it's okay. You can say it, Heather. There was like, I watched that show, The Undoing, with uh, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, and okay. Donald Sutherland is in it. This could be a completely different show, guys. I might be talking about something completely different. No, I think it is. Donald Sutherland is in it, and he has like this monologue about that term in the film, in the series. And what? Yeah, <laughs> apparently it used to mean something completely different back in the day to what it meant when it became like a gay slur. 
Oh. Wow. I can't remember the ins and outs of it. Go Google the the Donald Sutherland cocksucker monologue okay. from The Undoing. <laughs> I was, yeah. I do wonder if, I mean, in this film, I think it's very clear that it's supposed to be a gay slur. But when I heard him, like, describe it in this scene, I was like, that kind of makes a lot of sense that people would have, like, used that term, like, back then as for basically, like, obliterating somebody. That's so strange. <laughs> I know. It does. It. I'm, it's not going to sound like I'm making any sense, but it's just the scene is so vivid in my mind whenever I hear that word. Now that I always think of that scene from The Undoing. Honestly, for a second, I thought you were going to say Nicole Kidman said it. I was like, that's okay. She could also say it. <laughs> <laughs> the gay icons can say it, and that's it. Yeah, N- Nicole Kidman could call me the F slow, and I'd be fine with it. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, she did once, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> So after bludgeoning Susie to death, Sam and Kelly drive to the swamp where Sam disposes of the plastic wrapped body. Ray and Gloria investigate Susie's disappearance and her blood and teeth are found at the beach while her car is located abandoned at a bus terminal. Yeah, it's interesting when Sam turns to Kelly and says, are you okay? You know, after they've disposed of the body. And she says, yeah, my mum would kill me if she knew I took the rover. <laughs> <laughs> Not caring about Susie's yeah. corpse. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the DA's office uh, again insists that Ray drop the case, but he asks Gloria to watch Sam. And Sam shows, she goes to do it, but then Sam uh, finds her and shows Gloria his files from the school on Kelly which suggests that she's troubled and violent. And this leads to Sam and Gloria almost kissing. Yeah, the irresistible Matt Dillon. I know. Everyone is after him. Everyone. I think even Kevin Bacon wants a bit. I, I, yeah, I've got a few notes on that. (laughs) (laughs) But weirdly, only in this film, like, I feel like everything else I've seen him in, I've always been a bit like, eh. But yeah, like same, in this same. film, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the clothes that they put him in. I don't know if it's like if he was just like at the height of his like, you know, everything in this film. But I just there was just something about him in this one that I was just like, Ooh. but then in all the other films that I see him in, I'm like, eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's very strange. Um. I mean, I can't say I've noticed with uh, the director's other film. I mean, I've only seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and I Whoa. certainly did not think Michael Rooker was... Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. None of the guys in that film were given. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Ray goes to the Van Ryan's guest house to confront the scared and upset Kelly, but they end up shooting each other. <clears throat> I was gagged when this happened. I, I was, was furious when I this happened. I don't believe it. Um, I mean, I didn't say, but I, I was also gagged when Susie got bludgeoned to death. I really, again, this is one of those films where the first time I watched it, I genuinely didn't know where it was going. And even yeah. on a rewatch, I forgot this happened. It's like, if they didn't have the flashbacks at the end, I genuinely think I would have turned the film off at this point, because <laughs> I was just like, no Denise, no sure. <laughs> yeah, but also like, no Nev Campbell as well. Yeah. It was the yeah. first time I watched it, I was a bit like, oh, oh it's going to be men now. The thing for me is that it's like, with Nev's part in this film, I felt like she had a smaller part than Denise to start with anyway. So when she went, because I was so invested in Denise's character, 
I was like, I didn't feel it as much as what I thought I would have done, which is bizarre because I watched the film because of Nev Campbell, like, because I knew yeah. her from Scream. So I, I just, I was always surprised when I watched this, when I watched Wild Things that it's like, when she goes, I don't, I feel like horrific for saying this because I'm such a Nev Campbell fan, but I really don't miss her when she goes in the film because I'm, I'm so hyper-focused on it being the Denise Richards show. Yeah. Question. Why is Kelly wearing jeans and just a bra? Because <laughs> she's oh, everything established... iconic. <laughs> is it established why she, when he comes around, that's all she's wearing? No. I mean, I, nine times out of ten, all I'm wearing in the house is, like, underwear and, like, maybe a vest. Like, I, so I'd, I can attest to the fact that some days you just want to put on what you want to put on and it might not be a lot. Yeah. yeah, and that goes for Denise Richards as well. You well, know? no, it was, it was the way it was paired with the pair of jeans. <laughs> I thought if, if it was, she was just in a bikini, okay, it makes sense. Should we but get rid of To be fully dressed from the waist down, <laughs> but not on top. Way out. I reckon she either just got back from <laughs> from getting rid of a body again, or she was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to go out in like 10 minutes, I'll just find my top. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's this Belen doing here? Do you know what I mean? And then everything just. Does this mean that Denise Richards was getting ready to wear a jeans and a nice top combo? Yeah. Like she's going to a British barbecue. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't there a big thing on the housewives that she doesn't get glammed up enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they without that like, Denise, you always look like a ragamuffin. You don't get glammed <laughs> up enough. And then she starts getting glammed up and they're like, She's so fake. She wasn't like this last year. And it's like, girls, like, let's just lay off the queen. Don't be jealous that one of you all is still booked and busy. Even if the films aren't that good, but still there's a check coming in at the end of the day. I mean, I was shocked when uh, when they started attacking each other and she started shouting, Bravo, bravo, bravo. <laughs> and she did it multiple times as well. I loved that so much. But <laughs> she's just like, she's like that trying to explain the side of the story. And she's like, and bravo, 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 because I don't want this aired. <laughs> she's just like <laughs> putting her hands up and everything. I'm like, you tell them, Queen. You tell them. They're going to put every last second in, but you lawyer up and yeah. send those <laughs> Denise and desists out. Denise and desists. <laughs> How does Tamara say it when she does? To assist and assist. <laughs> Who did she say that to? Because she was on a Gina podcast. Gina Kilo from, like the, from the season six finale. Episode yeah. 13, Girl Fight. <laughs> she, well, did you say Jean, Gina? Yeah, uh, yeah, Gina with the J. She was in Ten to Midnight. Yeah. The Charles Bronson film. <laughs> In a Great lead film. Role. <laughs> no, she she was the friend who got killed. Um, <laughs> she didn't last, but uh, she looked completely different as well. Completely different. Um, that's a great film. Yeah, that is. Yeah, well, it's basically just Charles Bronson hunting down a serial killer who kills people when he's naked. It's part of the um, Twinks killing people whilst naked cinematic universe. Right. <laughs> I always found that Gina was like, always looked like she was going through something really, really rough. <laughs> like whenever she was on the show, it was like, oh girl, what's what's life throwing at you this time? Like, tell us about it. Like, oh, you're pausing. Because she was the OG of the OC. 
She was the first one cast. Well, Vicky Gunn will disagree, but yes, yeah, she was the yes. she were first cast. She knew the block who created it. Yeah, yeah, because I haven't seen the first season, but it's a, a bit different to the rest, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's very much like um, it, it feels like what would just be deleted scenes or put together in episodes is what the first season, first like two seasons feel like. Um, there is some fun moments, but really, it, Orange County did not get interesting until season three, episode one, when Tamara Judge came onto the scene. And <laughs> was like, and they show her casting tape where she's like, "Gina stole my listing. She's an angry fat divorcee," and it's like you just shift from having these women that seem to have like genuine care and concern for each other and we're all friends. And then Tamara comes into the mix to like, just split them all apart and <laughs> steal the show right from underneath them. So yeah, team Tamara. <laughs> Tamara been in a film. Maybe. I don't know. I think that they've done, they usually get like a guest spot on something, don't they? At some point down the line. Oh, yeah. Or like a definitely. small part. I remember that she did that Fiber One commercial with, like, D Dorinda and, like, Porsche and uh, that one from Jersey that I don't like. But there's, um... Oh, and Sonia Morgan, and they were they were singing that song called Getting Work Done. That's the one that always sticks out to me for her. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was a bop. It was... <laughs> Housewife songs is a whole other rabbit hole. Literally. <laughs> uh, back to poor Denise's death. <laughs> <laughs> she showed up, she served Kern. We went on a tangent for about 10 minutes and then she died. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Sandra rushes over as Rayston was out of the house. He's got a gunshot wound to the shoulder, but Kelly is dead from two shots to the chest. I say poor Kelly. <laughs> I, w I was heartbroken in this scene. I, d I, I feel like I did shed a few tears uh, when I first watched it. Um, <laughs> but I always, I always really didn't like the fact that we never saw Teresa Russell's character again, because I felt like it was such I a know. big scene. We just heard a scream and then, oh, wait, no, we did. What the fuck am I talking about? She's in the next scene, isn't she? She's in the corner of the, um, the courtroom when he's getting disbarred, is it? Oh, oh, oh yeah. She, yeah. yeah. When he's getting yeah. ejected from the police force and she's in the back going, she didn't do it. Oh, that, that, oh, like, I just wanted more, like a little bit of something else from her. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of, the film shows that Sandra and Kelly don't have the best relationship. Yeah. Then after Kelly's conscious, oh, she didn't do it. It would have been nice to get a, another one of those moments where, you know, she 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 cares, but she cares because of her reputation. You I know, know, my child's not a I want to know what you all think in the Wild Things cinematic universe. I want to know what you all think happened to Sandra Van Ryan after this moment. Because my theory is, is that she drank herself into an early grave and just spent the rest of her days shagging a new man every single day, smoking about 25 cigarettes, like having the finest liquors possible, going out for drunches with the girls and and then i feel like within about five five maybe eight years top she were dead yeah that sounds about right i mean i'd like to see that spin-off um <laughs> I, I feel like i'd like to see her like consider getting revenge on uh on kevin bacon then just giving up yeah so, no i can't be arsed i'll just carry on drinking exactly 
I think the legend. <laughs> um, Ray claims he was forced to shoot Kelly in self-defense and no charges are filed against him, but he is dismissed from the force for disobeying orders. This is when we get a very, very gay series of events. Um, <laughs> when Sam uh, goes He's in a beach house. Uh, he goes to uh, the shower, and there's Ray. Dick out. Kevin's bacon's bacon out and everything. You know, uh, bacon sausage. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! It's <laughs> howdy, partner. Yeah, it's there flopping about. They're calling each other partner, and it's revealed they're in cahoots. Yes. Um, I this think. Twist. Go on. I'll let you go. I think with Sam being so irresistible to everyone <laughs> he comes in contact with, I think Ray may have hoped that a moment happened at this point. Yeah. I think that. What do you think? I think he was expecting <laughs> it to happen on the boat before he was cut short. Do you think? Yeah. He gave him a little sneak preview uh -huh. and hoped for a full show on the boat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the twist of him being involved for me was just always the most random twist in the film. Yeah. And like, I kind of understood what they were trying to do. But at the same time, I, I sort of just feel like it was, you know, a part of, no, I, I, do you know what? I can't even try and string a sentence together for it because I just don't have that much to say about it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally that is just the weakest twist in the film for me because i was like oh really oh okay it does seem it... a bit random but when you at the end when it's revealed that susie had planned everything she planned every detail oh yeah you're right yeah Not as a way thought. of getting revenge against ray and then we find out who ray was you know, he is someone yeah. who, you know, went to brothels and was abusive against the uh, the workers there. Um, yeah. When we realised who he was, it kind of makes more sense that everything, him leading up to this point was an act and he was acting like a good cop. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it makes more sense then. I, I, I do think, you know. Because he killed her mate, didn't he? Yes. Or yeah. a brother. I can't, one or the other. And then set her, yeah, killed her Susie's friend and then set Eight. her up. Yeah. And that's why she doesn't like him. And this is her way of getting revenge. Yeah. No, um, you're, you're absolutely right. But it is still, I mean, from a sort of, as you're watching it for the first time, you're like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> another one. <laughs> and then you're like, another one, another five. <laughs> It's like you're there like that, you're like, I can't take any more twists, and then you get the biggest one of all, and you're like, that's it, measure me out for my coffee, and I'm done. <laughs> uh, although Sam is displeased that Ray killed Kelly instead of simply framing her for Susie's murder, he agrees that they now have fewer loose ends to deal with. So they go sailing on Sam's boat, and Sam attempts to kill him. <laughs> he Well, yeah, he, he wanted him to fuck him, but he tried to kill him. He does. He kind of sets him up to... He's fixing something on the boat. Something needs fixing. 
and then Sam makes it swing and it knocks him overboard. Uh-huh. But he manages to climb back on. He fights back. And then that's when he's shot and killed with a spear gun by Susie, who had yeah. staged her murder with Sam. And his returns. His... I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> it returns with that ugly new wig. <laughs> it's if there's giving... one thing that Le- Nev Campbell loved in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was an ill-fitted wig. That's oh. true. It's giving, like, a flat Princess Diana (laughs) with the mum from the Brady Bunch. (laughs) I was thinking if she was trying to not look like Sandra Van Ryan's sister, she did a terrible job. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, Nev can just wear anything. (laughs) Well... Susie reveals she was motivated to kill Ray to avenge the murder of her best friend, Davy, whom Ray wrongly shot to death and framed as a self-defense killing. And Sam reluctantly accepts a drink from her, who assures him she would never double-cross him. But upon drinking it, he realizes she has poisoned him before she knocks him overboard. What a queen. Woohoo! Love a girl boss. It's not necessarily him trusting her. It's when she explains, you know, she would need him alive because she can't drive a boat. She can't, you know, she can't sail a boat. So she needs him anyway, or she's going to be stuck in the middle of nowhere on a boat. And then it's revealed that he's underestimated her and she does know how to, uh, to, uh, um, I keep saying drive. What's the word? I mean, sail a boat. Sail a boat, yeah. She just knows how to sail a boat. <laughs> because Gloria speaks to Susie's grandmother, who's played by uh, Carrie Snodgrass, by the way. She was what in The Fury. I know. Have you got all of the sound what she says? Uh, I haven't got everything. Okay. I haven't got anything down that she says. Brace oh, yourself. Brace yourself. I, I want the accent as well. <laughs> I can't promise the accent. But... Put it on 1.5 speed, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Susie's grandmother, um, she takes Gloria on a tour of Susie's home. She shows her a family album and reveals that she's not Susie's real grandmother, but that she raised her as her own. In an odd twist of events, Ruby reveals that old man Van Ryan, Kelly's grandfather, had gotten a young girl pregnant, and he brought her to the Glades to live in the trailer park, where she gave birth and died within a year from alcoholism. Ruby then took Susie in her home shortly afterwards. Ruby then tells Gloria that Sandra Van Ryan is Susie's half-sister. So Susie has technically been having sex with her own niece, Kelly. And Susie sails into the sunset, and that is the end of what is the unrated cut for now. But before we move to the mid-credits, what do we have to say about that? (laughs) I misspoke earlier. Sorry, I I, I just want to clarify. I misspoke earlier. I thought she revealed, when you said old man, Van mm. Ryan, I thought you meant Sandra's husband. No. And that Kelly and Susie were half-sisters. No. But no. she's half-sisters with Sandra. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That still makes it weird. Yeah. yeah Just, it's still weird. Yeah. It's incest, whichever way you look at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, that's the most tacked on twist. It feels like, okay, that really didn't need to be in there at all. Yeah. So for me, this moment is like, 
before when I was saying how it was so hyper-focused for me personally, it all felt it was hyper-focused on Denise and it was all about her character. And when Nev's character initially gets, well, when you think she gets killed off, I didn't feel it as much because I was so hyper-focused on Denise. This is the moment when Nev pulls the whole film back to her. And I felt like that was such a well-done twist because you are expecting it to be there. You know what I mean? You've seen a dead body. So, like, you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, yeah, okay, she's gone. But yeah. to have her come back and not only not be dead, be the mastermind of the entire plot, scheme, whatever you want to call it, I just, I really felt like she managed to pull focus in the end. And then it suddenly made sense because when you look at it from... Okay, so like when I first watched this film, I wasn't really thinking about like why an actor would have taken on a role in it. But when I watched it with Tasha, when Nev Campbell got killed off, she went and said, what, she took this on to get killed off like this far into the film? She's barely been in it. And I was like, yeah, I guess she just wanted to do something different because I didn't want to spoil the twist. But then it does make sense. Like, why would she have taken on the part if she didn't have a big come around at the end kind of thing? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think Nev Campbell was integral to the part as well in terms of yeah. casting, because the you know the audience is going to be well aware of Scream. Scream was a huge yeah, and Nev Campbell has final girl energy. She's yeah. a perfect final girl, and you have to root for Susie, or you're going to be really disappointed by the ending of this film. Yeah. Um, and I think having Nev Campbell in that role really helps with that because people are going to be aware of her as um sydney prescott Mm. and they're going to be on her side and you know okay she's the poor girl and everyone else is really rich but she's she's a backstabber herself she's you know she has created this plan that has led to people dying you know, and so... And she doesn't all... give a fuck. <laughs> she doesn't. She's like, that, like, more money for me! <laughs> and the filmmakers want you to be on her side at the end. That's what I feel, and be like, good yeah. for her. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think Nev Campbell's integral to that. Because she's she actually also it. sort of absent from the film a lot, mm-hmm. because yeah. of, of the plot itself. Yeah. She's somebody that I do feel like, in addition to the queer community, like the whole human race just roots for Nev Campbell. Like, I think primarily because of, like, Sidney Prescott and Bonnie and the Craft and the Party of Five and stuff like that. So I feel like I feel like people just root for her so much that having her in this film and be the final girl again, and it's like she's masterminded the whole thing, you immediately just automatically want to root for her again even though she's kind of playing an anti-hero, you're just like, yeah, it's Nev, of course I'm going to root for it. Yeah. She's she's one of those actresses um, that millennials will always defend, I yeah. think. Yeah. I think. Oh, we'll wait for you to get that 10 million for Scream 7. Come on. Come on. Yeah. For you, girl. We're rooting for you. Especially millennial gay boys. It's yeah. her. It's Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Julia Stiles. Halle Berry. Oh, Halle Berry, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's a Denise fair Richards. <laughs> Denise Richards, of course. Salma Blair's mine. Reese Witherspoon, because yeah. I was a Cruel Intentions fan. 
Well, we get several mid-credit scenes that reveal how she was the ultimate mastermind. Upon finding that Sam and Kelly were in a sexual relationship, Susie blackmailed Sam with photographs of the two using drugs during sex, convincing him to help with her scheme. Susie sub uh, subsequently orchestrated the meeting between Sam and Ray at a local bar. Later, during her staged murder on the beach, Susie pulled out her own teeth with pliers to make her de uh, death appear uh, legitimate. And it is also revealed that Ray shot Kelly first before shooting himself in the shoulder pretend he to pretend he killed her in self-defense. And finally, with Kelly, Ray, and Sam all dead, Susie is met by Kenneth, who gives her a briefcase full of cash that he describes as just walking around money. And a check for a million dollars, uh, millions of dollars even. And as she leaves, he tells her to be good. And that is the fucking that is wild things. That is he uh, some of the best mid credit scenes of all time. <laughs> so in keeping with what we did before about Sandra Van Ryan's uh, origin, uh, not origins, but like continuation afterwards, what do we think Susie did after this? Because we know she wired some money to the to the fake grandma and the and Walter, uh, but. What what do we think Susie's life was like after this? Do we think she was going on scheming in other places? Do we think she was settling down, enjoying and counting a millions? Like, what do we think she was doing? Well, because it's Nev Campbell, I kind of hope she's just settled down, enjoying her millions. But at, at the same time, I wouldn't mind seeing her um, continuing to be a criminal mastermind. So I kind of hope it's that. I feel like she would still be, like, you know, doing... You know, mastermind yeah. some schemes at some point. Yeah, definitely. Going to I also uh, do Vegas. In what? <laughs> Going to Vegas and uh, <laughs> card counting. Because she like, had two hundred IQ, didn't she? Just revealed. I always wondered, like, because obviously Kelly's character, you know, Denise's character, Kelly getting killed, wasn't part of the plan. Initially, well, Matt Dillon's plan. It wasn't part of his plan. But obviously there must have been some element that Susie knew he would kill her regardless. But Ray's also thinking to himself that it's just him and Sam that are going to have the money. So I do wonder how this would have gone if Kelly didn't get killed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I always love thinking about a what if. Like, what if Ray didn't kill Kelly? Like, how would the end of the storyline played out? Would she have, would Susie have killed all three of them? Like, I am very intrigued to know how that would have gone because it really is by pure, really chance because it would, she was just banking, I guess, on him killing Kelly regardless because of what his past is like and how he'd done the same thing to her friend. It is in the forefront of my mind a lot. Like, if he hadn't have done that, this could have gone so differently. Well, as we've seen in the screen films, people can survive anything, and who knows? Maybe uh, if they do a sequel all the years down the line, maybe it'll be revealed that she secretly survived. Absolutely. That's what I think. We didn't I see think. a funeral. We didn't see a funeral. That's what I think, yeah. It would have been a fabulous funeral as well, you just know it. <laughs> it would have been the most Republican thing that I've ever seen in my entire life, but it would have been absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Should have had a pink coffin. I was just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, that's wild things. That's wild things. Yeah, and I, I love it. It's uh, it's it's very very close to a perfect film for me. I just yes, it's just them with a bit more Sandra, uh, and that would have that would have ticked the box for me. But uh, yeah, I just 
I love that whole 90s erotic thriller thing, and this really does it so well. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It, it gives me, because I watched it many, many years ago, because it was like the It film, if you wanted to watch a racy uh, drama <laughs> on TV. Um, so it, there's a definite nostalgia to it as well um, for me personally, but I, I think it's great. I think it's high camp. It's mm. it is ridiculous. It's kind of stupid, but in the best way because it's horrible people being absolutely horrible to each other, yeah. and yeah. it's soap opera. It 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 is, and yeah. I love soap opera. I love that high melodrama ridiculousness. Yeah, and it does it so well because it knows what it's doing. It's in on the joke. You know, you you think oh. You think you've had enough twists? Here's another one. Here's another you one. Know? Here's another one. <laughs> maybe a little too many. I mean, <laughs> maybe two less twists. <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. It's, it's a fun time. So let's get to the awards. <gasps> Here we go. First up, we have Biggest Queen. Curtis, you go first. Hmm. Okay, so I feel like this can go one of two ways. Obviously, I've put down Kelly. Kelly Van Ryan, Kelly Lenia Van Ryan, because she's such a big focus in this film and the character's like, she's at the forefront of everything. So I feel like I instantly want to give it to her, but I also want to give it to Susie because to have masterminded that entire thing and not only that, completely pulled it off. It's like... I feel like that's also worthy of, the, of a crown. So maybe we just have to give them their own crown. I'm I'm giving it to both of them regardless. I know we can only pick one, but I'm giving it to both. No, you can give a tie. You can give a tie. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, they can have half the crown each. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Katie Heron. Yeah. <laughs> I went with Susie. I did go with Susie. Wow, okay. She I... pulled it off. Mm. She didn't pull the wig off. But I... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would have gone with Susie until that wig happened, but mm. I've gone with Sandra. Yes. Oh, okay. I've yes. gone with Sandra because, I mean, I just... Yeah, just a massive scene stealer who deserved better. She's a rich bitch who knows what she wants, yeah. and she knows what she does get she it. Lo she loves serving. Yeah, she loves dick, alcohol, and lots of money. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's not to love? Biggest gasp. Okay. <laughs> I have like four written down, but I think ultimately I have to go for the one that has given that gave me the biggest reaction when I first saw the film. And also I feel like also the one that gave Tasha the biggest reaction because the fact that her reaction to that scene was so similar to mine, I feel like that is probably the biggest part in the film that makes you go, wait, what? And it's the part in the motel when you realize that they're all in on this like fake rape allegation together yeah that's yeah, i completely fine. agree it yeah. could easily be susie's comeback at the end but i just feel like that one in the middle just hit me more because immediately you just propel with all these questions like why did they do it why did they want to put themselves through all this like what is the backstory for it why does kelly want to split her inheritance three ways do you know what i mean like it was just so like there was so much going on in my head after that scene so that's that's my pick. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. Particularly the first time I watched it, um, we watched the trailer and it, it does spoil a lot. 
actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I hadn't seen the trailer before I watched it, you know, many, many years ago. And the, the sort of reveal and the threesome afterwards, um, definitely the biggest gasp for me. And I think by the end, Susie returning, less of a gasp, I think probably because there's so many twists before that. Well, it's funny you say that because Ooh. I have a freeway tie. I feel Ooh. like this film deserves a freeway tie. <laughs> and, <laughs> and again, you know, it did shock me. That, that scene did shock me. But what got a bigger reaction out of me was first up, Sam killing Susie. Right. Seeing am, him... no. What, sorry? I, I had that on my thing too, like on the... Yeah. yeah. Uh, seeing Kevin Bacon's bacon. <laughs> and third uh, was Susie's return with the wig. I really, I didn't see that coming, so... Oh, I... wig. God. <laughs> <laughs> best dialogue. Now, here's one that could have a thousand answers. I have so many qu quotes written down for this one. I'd, I just want to give special shout out first to Denise's can I play two or is it just for boys? I really like that one. And then I also want to shout out, you stupid cunt, when she's like throwing <laughs> her into the pool. Um, and and the horse for less one, I, I think that one's really, really good. But for me, the, my favorite line of dialogue for this is always going to be, so where's your hose, Mr. Lombardo? Because it's so fucking snide, snarky, and yeah, I just I love snark so much. So that that takes it for me. Yeah. Yeah, what's yours? Chris? I went with uh uh I can't I can't do the accent. Uh but Denise Richards fuck off delivery. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. I love that I, part. <laughs> I feel like maybe it's kind of an answer to as if and clueless. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when she's getting rid of the guy who's coming on to her. It's kind of uh, a more adult version of that, like yeah. sort of as if, fuck off. <laughs> I love as well that it comes after he like full on tries to insult her, and he's like, "If Miss Not So Bright here hadn't started throwing things, she don't even look at him. She just goes, fuck off." I was just like, "You tell him." Uh, mine. Oh, I, I I meant the one in the the first one. Oh wait, which which one? The oh, when she's in her seat. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off. I like that part, yeah. Okay, cool. That's fair enough. I, I like them both. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's the delivery. Yeah, that gets her. She says fuck off a lot in this film. She has she them My one, of course, goes to the Queen herself, Sandra, with, I haven't found anyone who can handle my boat the way you can. <laughs> Love and it. Finally, that's camp. What do we have? I wrote down for this one, I do think that the pool scene is quite camp, and I feel like yeah. it's the most notable scene from the film. Um, I thought the car wash was really camp as well, with the like just the way it's shot and the music in the background. Um, courtroom brawl was very telenovela-y for me, like I, I enjoyed that. Um, but I have to give it, just in general, to Sandra Van Ryan because I do think she is the campus character in the film and just like the way that she carries herself, the clothes that she wears, um, just the way that she delivers her lines and everything. I just think she's so high camp. So I give it to her. I completely agree. I went with that there's a particular shot at the end and it's a bird's eye view of Nev Campbell 
in that wig sailing a boat. <laughs> and I thought that one shot is so high on the campometer that I had to go for it. Yeah, I can see that. I went with uh, Sandra's first scene, her big grand entrance. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. And for ratings... Right, yeah. <laughs> for ratings, I give it nine pairs of horse for less shoes out of ten. <laughs> I gave it nine flat Princess Diana wigs out of ten. Uh, and I gave it four out of five because I didn't know that we were doing that. <laughs> Uh, I gave it uh, four teeth out of five. I don't know. <laughs> four crocodiles out of five. Four and a half crocodiles out of five. Kevin Bacon's dick. <laughs> well, <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> and do, do we think masterpiece, trash the piece, trash or basic? I've put trash near. I, d- I put near masterpiece, actually. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's a masterpiece of trash. Yeah, so it's not a trash to piece because a trash to piece is bad. But it's not a bad film. But it's trash. It's trashy. This is trashy. Because if I was okay, if I was gonna say that a film was trash, then like yeah, that would be bad. But like if I was calling something a trash to piece, that's like to me that is like it's sleazy. It's out there, it's outlandish and it is trashy, but at the same time, it's such a good fucking watch that like I would put it as a trash to pit. I probably have a different definition for that. I got dragged by all the Scream fans when I called Scream 6 a guilty pleasure. So like I'm <laughs> I maybe I'm not that clued up on like these <laughs> phrases that we use for things. So like that's my definition of trash to piece when what I put it down as. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ours is yeah. Uh, so bad it's good, but yeah, th- that also makes sense. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm very and deep with it. I'm very deep with my answers. Trash could mean, means different things to different people. You know, mm-hmm. trash. Really. Yeah. I feel like yeah. the film itself would identify as trash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, it's available on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K and video on demand. And if you enjoy this, I recommend checking out Cruel Intentions. Yes. I completely agree. Cruel Intentions was my choice too. And also, if you haven't uh, watched this film, there's no point now because we've told you the whole plot. So <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> for the free viewing. <laughs> Uh, if you want to talk to us about this film, then we are Horacult Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horacult Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazma205 on Instagram, and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram and uh, Letterboxd. And if you've enjoyed us talking about wild things, and give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like a follow on everything else. Curtis, where can we find you? Um... Uh, good question. What is my Instagram username? Hang on. <laughs> Curtis Corner on Instagram. <laughs> there is, sorry. Curtis.s underscore corner 2.0 on Instagram because, you know, I had to make it some somewhat long and convoluted. Uh, I do have Letterboxd, but I don't really post on it. I think my username on that is uh, Curtastrophe underscore. So look for the snooty profile picture. 
Brilliant. <laughs> thanks, yeah, for thanks. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us again. It has been an absolute pleasure as always. Oh, I know, I, I really enjoy getting to like chat about all these like films because it, for a long time, not a lot of other people I'd like the, you know, like them as much as I did, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why the Instagram community as well is such a great thing. Yeah. Uh, finding you know loads of people who have the same interests as you. And like one yeah, of my good friends. One of my good friends, Chris J. Like they, we've been friends for like a really like long time now. They always love the same kind of films as me too. But before I started getting Tasha into films, it was it was really just me and Chris J that would talk about this stuff. So it's nice that like I've met new people from like, you know, posting about what films I'm watching and stuff and seeing that just as many people like them as well. It's it's a nice little um full circle moment for me. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we will definitely uh, have you back to discuss another erotic thriller again at some point in the future. Slither, <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> oh, great choice. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with double episode week, uh, starting on Tuesday with, and it's finally happening. For many years now, we've been meaning to do it, and we're finally discussing it. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, with special guests, a Nightmare on Fear Street podcast. It's about bloody time. It is. Yes. I mean, every podcast has done it. We might as well do it. Yes. That's exciting. Been on that the list. Scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on Friday, we'll be back with this month's original versus remake, where, for a Pride Month special, we'll be discussing Dracula's Daughter and its loose remake, Naja. Yeah, that yeah. should be good. I hopefully. Mean, yeah, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> I think I yet, but, you know, here's hoping. <laughs> we'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye. Love, love, love. Bye.